I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, you're very welcome to episode 4 in a series of podcasts dealing with the Civil War in Kerry. The title of this podcast is The Bally City Massacre. And during the Civil War, there were many atrocities up and down the country, but none worse than in County Kerry. And the worst one was just outside Tralee, at Ballycity, where nine IRA prisoners were bound together and forced to walk into a minefield. And this happened as a result of a trap that was laid by the IRA at Knocknagoshel. And this mine killed three Free State officers and one soldier and badly wounded six more. And as a result of that, then you had the Ballycity massacre that happened just two weeks after. In this podcast, you will hear the voices of Dr. Dermot Lynch, son of Brigadier Fanon Lynch during the Civil War, Dr. Rushtard Mulcahy, the son of General Chief of Staff Dick Mulcahy. Fred O'Connor, the son of Sergeant Joe O'Connor, Archdeacon Ronald Blenner Hassett, eyewitness during the Civil War, and Sister Philomena O'Daly, daughter of Brigadier Paddy O'Daly, who gave the orders for the Ballycidi killings. Tony Roach, relative of Paddy O'Daly, and Lily Ryle, eyewitness during the Civil War. And we start with Dr. Dermot Lynch. Now, all I can say from my father's point of view is that he deplored Irishmen killing Irishmen, he deplored brother killing brother, comrade killing comrade. Ballyseedy, I never heard him mention it. He will have deplored it. I mean, Ballyseedy was... An incredible outrage, actually. I mean, mm. Mind-blowing outrage, you would say. But it was matched by assassinations and, and killing of Sinn Féin, of, of Free State Army troops around the country, destruction of infrastructure. I mean, this, this government had no money, and they've had to repair the infrastructure after the War of Independence, and they've no more repaired it than it's blown up again. Mm. And they don't have money. Mm. So it, none of that uh, justifies Ballyseedy. But it's just the way things were. And, and, and I, I suppose if you want any justification for Ballyseedy, it is only that it was an infantile army with no experience. 
and, and they hadn't the training or history or background to, to understand how absolutely awful it was. But, and, but even then, it was only a small renegade group of, in Kerry of Dubliners. That probably explained everything. <laughs> there's no, there's no, no excusing Balasidi, but that's the only way not to excuse it, but possibly to explain it. Yeah. An infantile army with no experience. He was with the Dublin Guard. This is with Paddy Daly. That's him with the Sam Brown belt. Fred O'Connor, the son of Sergeant Joe O'Connor. There's another fellow in it there, Joe Doyle, Joe Doyle who's from uh, Temple Hill, was a friend of his. He was with him, because it was through him that I learned that my father became a sergeant. And it was through listening to him, the two of them talking one day, and, and I heard Joe Doyle saying, well, that was just before you got your true, your stripes. And he was showing him a photograph, the two of them together. He, he, went, he was on the Lady Wicklow that went down to Kerry and landed at Fennis. And from Fennis up, right up to Carlow, taking over barracks and making sure that the local IRA crowd were in uniform and getting it. But, uh, and it was it was very fairly serious in Kerry. You know, there was a lot of uh, I know. atrocities. Was yeah. your father involved in any of those? Well, he was stationed in the uh, Great Western Railway Hotel, and they had a machine gun nest or post on the balcony of the oh, over the hall door, more or less. And this... That would be Killarney, would it? The, yeah. The Great Southern Hotel in Killarney. Yeah, Killarney, yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, a fellow dressed as an officer, a local man, come up and was demanding a machine gun. And he wouldn't give it. He said, get a recreation order and I'll give it to you. Can't give it to you. And your man, it nearly come to blows, he said. So mm. the man went away and come back. They never come back to him. But that's the time that they found it when they lifted the stones and the grenades went off. They had been tipped off, supposed to be ammunition in it. And, and three of the, his officers of the Dublin Guard went, all, went out, out to it and it was booby-trapped, killed him. And he says that's why there was revenge for that. But he says the lads were very annoyed with them booby trapping. So the three officers were killed. Well, he, he said it was a civil war. On what can you do? Yeah, you know. But he said it was terrible to think that you, we were fighting against fellas that had fought alongside us with the British, against the British, mm. but. That's what made it, he reckons it made it uh, worse. There was fellas joining both sides that didn't fight against the British. But they still blame the Dublin Guard because they're the only ones that could identify who, who was who, he said. 
And why did they? Uh, they didn't randomly pick people. They they selected. People. They selected who they knew. Well, Dublin, his mob, the Dublin Guards, that they belonged to. They were get, they were getting the blame for it. And I remember years afterwards, up in the house, in at home, something was on the. There was something on the papers about it. And my eldest brother said to the father, so you were there at that time, yeah. But he said, it was the local crowd that done it. Oh, that's what you would say. So, I don't know how my father didn't hit him. Yes, I remember we were youngsters at the time. And they, he had to travel to Newcastle West. And... It was by a horse and sidecar. They had to travel. Archdeacon Ronald Blennerhass had travelled from Tralee to Abbey Field on the mountain road on the 6th of March 1923 with his father. And it was the morning after the Free State soldiers had lost their lives in a booby trap at Knocknagoshel. Ronald uh, remembers this morning very clearly. So we... Tackled the old horse anyhow and so forth. And back we went to Abbey Field. We spent the night in Abbey Field. And that night there was ructions in Newcastle West. I had a chap called Morris Foley that used to drive us and he had a stutter. And um, I'd like it this right now. We set off for Tully and there had been a battle between, I suppose, I don't know, the Free State and whatever at the time. We started off over the mountain road. I remember we used to take the mountain road, you know, you can go two or three roads, out of Knocknagoshel. We heard a horse galloping up behind us and he he whistled anyhow and of course we stopped and he said what are you doing, where are you going and so forth, so forth you see and um, so we told him he said would you give a man a lift you see what should say <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> you give a man a lift. So I said, oh, yes. Uh, he didn't refuse, of course. Uh, he said, where is he? Because there was nobody. Oh, he said, we'll get him. And he jumped on the horse again and gave him a slap in the bottom down the road. He was galloping, and he galloped back up again. But the time that he galloped back up again, there was a different man on the horse. So we could not do nothing about that anyhow. You come along, you know there's a high mountainous place um, outside to Lee and that road. You might have gone it. Yes, it's it's the 
It's the it's the uh, over the stacks mountains, really. Yeah, isn't that where? You, yes, yeah. it is. So anyhow, I said, do you know? I said, I think I'll get off. I can remember it as plain as could be. He said, I think I'll get off here if you don't mind. He said, thanks for the lift, but he said I've I've stuff on me. Says he, if I was if I was caught, I wouldn't want to. F- <laughs> you see. What was he, he carrying? What? Explosives? Oh, explosives, revolvers. Yes. The, mm. All he could carry, I think. My goodness. You see. And you didn't get his name or who he was? Or no. Mm. I suppose my father did afterwards, mm. I should think. Yes, he was He was dressed as a parish priest the following day in Tralee. Dr. Richard Mulcahy, son of Dick Mulcahy, who at the outbreak of the Civil War was Chief of Staff. There were several um, 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 incidents in Kerry that there were very few atrocities really, uh, except for the killing of civilians and uh, the more criminal aspects of the whole thing. The Ballyseedy uh, 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 atrocity was um, carried out by a group of people who had been, some of them had been in Collins's um, uh, squad. And that led, incidentally, in 1924 to the mutiny in the army because these people uh, who had been very valuable in the squad and uh, in a um, a, a war like the War of Independence, they were totally unsuited to a peacetime army. And my father was dedicated to the fact that the army was subservient to Parliament and that was there to to, uh, uh, protect the democratic institutions of the state. And he he taught people like Tobin and all these were totally unsuited. The people he needed were people who had been in the British Army or in the uh, General Headquarters staff uh, in Ireland. But Mm. he needed people who were professionally trained. Paddy O'Daly commanded the original squad of the IRA professional killers of the War of Independence. When the Civil War broke out, he rose to the rank of brigadier and was stationed in Kerry. Sister Philomena O'Daly, his daughter, recalled his life as it progressed down through the years. Did a lot of his companions come and discuss the... Yes, the, their would, experiences with during have, the yes. war. Joe Leonard was a frequent visitor to our house. Oh yes, frequent visitor, like there were two peas in a pod, <laughs> and Dick Mulcahy would call at times, you know. Yeah. And there was there was a, a Joe McGuinness, but I I'm not sure where he comes in. But there was a Joe McGuinness that used to call too. He was another great friend. Yeah. They were the they were the buddies, if you like, you know. They, were they? Oh, yeah, the they were really. Yeah, yeah. yeah, up to the up to the time he died, and it was Joe Mc, uh, was uh, Joe Leonard that organised his funeral because he got a state funeral. You know, it was Joe McGuinness, uh, not not Joe McGuinness, Joe Leonard, Joe Leonard all along, that was his constant friend and companion. And were, and they they would have gone through the War of Independence, and, and, they, and they were in the been, squad, and they see, were in the squad, squad yeah. yeah. And then they were also um, 
uh, in the Free State Army uh, yes. uh, together. And, yes. Yeah. That's Was there any regret in his life, you know? I, I'm just thinking of, mm. of, of the, the, the horrible um, time of the Civil War. I mean, the, 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 that oh, affected yeah. so many it people. It did, it did. And you see, then, to crown all, he, after the Civil War, he got a job on the board of works and a house in the Phoenix Park at the back of Arsenal. I don't think it's no longer there. I think the zoo has taken it over. But um, they lived there and he was he was the carpenter responsible for building the altar for the Eucharistic Congress in the park. But after that, De Valera sacked him. I don't know what happened. He was a, he accused my father of stealing. Now, anyone that knew my father, just stealing the fireplace, I think it was. But you see, they were enemies from the Civil War. You know, the, and I grew up knowing that De Valera wasn't somebody that would be welcome in our house <laughs> or his comrade. And with the result at my father's funeral, I remember hearing likes of Joe Leonard, some of his comrades saying, look who turned up. So obviously somebody from the other side, if you like, turned up. This was 1957 at the funeral. I don't know, because that was... Uh, tragic for me that was huge his funeral like that was more concerned about you know funeral than but like somebody turned up from the opposite side in 1957 and they were remarking fancy songs are coming no whether it was so there was still oh there was still that split split was there and what happened at Ballycidi massacre is first spoken here about a relation of Paddy O'Daly Tony Roach and this is followed again by Sister Filimena O'Daly. There was no order given. It was a, it was a wildcat action. Okay, in a heated moment. Um, well, you see, they had been they had they, they, um, they had been ambushed um, the uh, two nights previously. Horrific ambush. What what happened was that um, the garrison in in in. Um, in, in the barracks uh, in Ballymullen barracks for a couple of weeks prior to this they had received almost nightly um, messages to say that there was um, uh, that there was activity on mines or things like this and all of the mines were booby trapped there were trip mines uh, 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 mm-hmm. mines and they had lost a horrendous amount of people okay now um, uh, the 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 um, the City um, uh, event, um, you know, there was uh, certainly uh, there was men in that who um, decided to put together this bomb. And as I said to you just a minute or two ago, Paddy seemed to be oblivious of this, and that he was, um, and maybe he should have investigated himself. But uh, you know, someone said to him, "They're carrying books of ash down there," and he just said, "You know, uh, find out what they're doing and come back to me." And it, it it never happened. Did he carry this with him? Like, I mean, was it a burden? Uh, was it was it the worst thing that happened to him? I mean, in the, in his career, I think when I'm looking back on mm. my eldest brother, yeah. and. He, I was, you know, going to look at this program, but we never looked at that program. He started to look at it, and he said, "I can't look at this." So, with the result, I have never looked at that program. Yeah. 
because I feel it's a, something that I don't want to almost because I remember that night I was coming I was living in Ballybrack at the time <clears throat> and I came back and I really went up to bed quite upset knowing wherever it was that it was something and the next day Commandant Peter Young who was in the military archives who has since died rang me and wanted to know was I all right because I had got to know him in the military archives because he said, I didn't give <coughs> I didn't give my OK. I'd not agree with what was shown on television. Oh, yes. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so, he said, I just want you to know that I wa- I'm, wasn't happy with it. Yeah. So I that's where it's at. It's, it's a black spot, if you like. And yeah. I didn't want I didn't want to look at it. Would letters be sent to your father about this? No, I never I, I never <coughs> knew anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never knew anything about it till I heard about it on the, the television programme. Yeah. I, as I said, I didn't even know what. It was a pr- programme and my dad was probably going to be seeing it. And I said to Paddy, sure, I'll come down that evening and we'll look at it together. Oh, did they? Yes. And, See, and, yeah. and that's what happened. We yeah. started to look at it and he said, I really don't want to look at this. And, pa- and, and yeah. Yeah, and I said, that's fine. Yeah. Because he was, he was getting upset because, as I said, he could get very upset and this man was... Yeah. Another sure. upright man, you know that. Yeah. But, um, mm. and, and so, you know, kind of, I suppose, when you're living then, uh, you know, and with I, him, I had another course, episode, yes. which is <clears throat> extraordinary. I was doing some therapy. I was doing some training and I was in this group and we were, you know, uh, reenacting. It wasn't, it was about our, something. And I don't know what happened, but this France, I think it was a Franciscan priest, whatever it came up, but it turned out that his father had been killed. It was We were doing nothing about this, but you know, it was something we were doing. It was counselling and we were doing, um, it was a group of people that yeah. were doing different things about it, and he came up. And it was like, if you like, he was saying to me, we had to come to work through it then, the facilitator, because he was saying that it was my father that had killed his father. It, that, that His father was exploded. Yeah. And what was his name? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember. I'm was, not good at remembering names. He was names. one of the men that were tied to the yeah, he was a, he was a, Yeah, he was a Franciscan priest. Yeah. He was out somewhere in Rahini. I don't know his name, but I'll never forget that it was an awful thing to come up against something. But I mean, the facilitator then worked through it with us, you know. With, with your father. With but with the with this, you know, he was more or less. It came up in the group. Yeah. It was like you know, it was the first time ever. That was the only time in. What what year was this? Oh, that would have been in. Probably the early nineties. Yeah, yeah, of course. And and at this stage, you were, I suppose, your father wasn't there to answer the questions. No, no, yes, so, yeah, uh, uh, it was yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. And it was after that pro, whatever time it was after that program, because that's what that's how it had happened. It was shortly after that program, now. Oh, was it? Yeah. So whatever that program was, yeah, that's yeah. when the first time that program was shown. And, and- 
Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. There's something I'd like to say to mm. Paddy, my brother, who was an architect and worked in local government all his life. He tells the story that, <clears throat> that you see, when my dad came out of the army the, <clears throat> the first time, and Paddy, my brother, said that he was going around the country in local government examining buildings. And he said, sometimes I come up against things that my father built, but they weren't built that well, but it was because he had given jobs to... I know, to his, 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 trying suppose, to his colleagues his who colleagues, were in the area. Yeah, yeah, that he was trying to, you know, that he used to often say that. Yeah. No, uh, I just remember yeah. my dad as a, as a very caring man, but a very sad man, you mm. know. And, I, that, and it was only afterwards when I discovered his history that I realised how sad. And I knew it affected me at some stage that I mm. had to go for counselling because that sadness was beginning to seep, seep into my life, you know. Was it really? Yeah, in my 40s, yeah. I would have... And like it, the fact my mother had died so young that I, if you like, yeah. grew up without a mother. I used to think I'd no mother like you know there's one stage I went through a bad patch yeah and it was I realized it was really my history oh, that it's, had it's, it's that, interesting um, yeah, yeah. How, how that happened yeah. and that's when when I see mm. I saw my brother in his 90s still shedding tears about his childhood mm. you know that there was even though he was a he, if I, he wasn't a depressed man, but if you, he went to talk about his childhood, yeah. his tears had come. And we conclude this episode with Lily Ryle, who lived at Farmer's Bridge, not far from Ballymullen Barracks. But I remember coming from school after the belly CD blew up. That was the free state, that was like. And after the, that happening... And we were coming from school, and we hadn't crossed a whole lot of since, I suppose, at that time. Uh, coming up Belly Mullen, the coffins were there on the side, outside the barrack wall. Not really made up coffins, I suppose, God love them. And the fathers and the mothers, and they were there, we stood, of course, and looking at them, and they were trying to identify their own. But there were bits and pieces they got from Belly CD inside in those coffins. Mm-hmm. That, that's facts now. They were up and down looking into this one and into that one. They were down on the wall, on the wall there across from Anthony McCarthy's got big with him. And one man lived, you know that, the fuller man. He escaped. He, he went, was blown across the essay and into a field. And he made his way through, I think, it across the river. And up through fields, and he came over to some house there in Bandugonic. Some said it was a Protestant house, I don't know. Others said it was another house. But the news went around anyway, and of course, the IRA crowd. But you could, the women were coming on that time. They'd look after the boys as well, like, you know. And they came along and they took him up. The man, well, he was in hospital afterwards. That man, years more, and everything was over. And my granddaughter could tell you then how the distance. And she was going to school. And she had a lovely voice, God bless her. She still is living now. And she has a little baby. And from the school, they went in to sing in, not the new hospital, the old hospital over there. And what did she sing? Put Belly C.D. Cross. And the man was in the bed and didn't break down and cry.
You've been listening to Dr. Dermot Lynch, Dr. Richard Mulcahy, Fred O'Connor, Sister Philomena O'Daly, Tony Roach, Archdeacon Roland Blennerhassett and Lily Ryle. I hope you enjoyed listening to this week's podcast on the Bally City Massacre. All those interviews are available, the full interview, uh, from irishlifeandlore.com. If you would like to contact us and make any comment about any of the podcasts, please do through uh, irishlifeandlore.com. My name is Maurice O'Keefe and I look forward to bringing you a totally different podcast next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.